0: Remain standing for the reading of God's word this morning. Turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, beginning with verse verse nine. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. If you're on the phone, it don't count. No, it don't count. I'm turning into that old man, get off my grass, all this electronic stuff, get rid of it. You know why we're that way? Can I just give you an inroad to those of us over 50? We can't see it. I got the biggest phone you can buy. And I sent you something, like, like I can read it in a car driving. It's just like a fuzzy hieroglyphic doing this. I can't read it. It's of the devil. It's not not real. (laughs) 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Not in the way you think peculiar. You're not supposed to be weird. Weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But a peculiar people means so different from this world that they know it and you know it peculiar people why that you would show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light away from this attitude this progressive mindset that God is enamored with me and loves me like I am and he made me like I am and he leaves me like I am No, the encounter with God always calls you out of darkness into light out of bondage into freedom out of sin into holiness. Which in times past you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. And you obtained, which you had not attained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. And here's the anchor text. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lust that war against your soul. Having your conversation, your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles or the unbelievers... That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, you can by your good works, which they witness, they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Which means you may not get credit for it now. But in the presence of the king of kings, they're going to say, I lied about this one. I lied about this one. They were upright and they loved the Lord. Would you pray for me this morning as I pray for myself? Uh, just that God would anoint me to communicate this word. The hour is late. I firmly believe we are the terminal generation that will see the return of the Lord for his church and then come back with his church. And we need to make sure that, like we said, Miss Barbara said today, nothing between and, and, and nothing on us, nothing separate, separate, different, uh, strangers, pilgrims. So, Father, I just humble myself before you this morning, and I I ask you today to use me for your glory. Um, There's no um, esteem uh, for a person. Uh, All esteem and glory and honor and recognition is yours. But if you don't anoint me, Lord, we just go through the motions, and we have contemporary services, and that we don't need. I need you to touch me and anoint my lips And keep my mind clear. Give me clarity of thought. And let the word of God reach deep within us. And help us to have the courage and the character to engraft it to our soul. And bring forth fruit thereby. That we may be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Consecrated unto you. Sanctified uh, from this world. Set apart. In the mighty name of Jesus I pray. And God's people said amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you for a few moments as your pastor. uh, The Bible says to use the word of God for us ministers to reprove, rebuke, exhort. But this is a strong exhortation, if you will. When when Peter said, uh, dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beseech you, this, this is critical, In the Greek, it means the same as if a person was to run alongside of you in your journey and grab you by the shoulders and say, listen to me, life hinges on this. This is important. I beseech you would, uh, would be the same thing a military commander would do. A friend would do this on the road saying, you need to have this information. And a military commander would say, before we go into this situation where your life is at stake and the lives of others, you need to have this information about your adversary. You need to have this information about what is ahead. And that's in my heart this morning. I am, I'm a sojourner with you. Don't, don't mistake because I'm a few inches higher on, on a stage that I don't have the same life that you do, the same exposure, the same struggle, the same weaknesses. And what we need is truth in our life. And we need a love for the truth. And we need a yieldness to the truth. And so when I hear Peter screaming this morning in my ear, John, dearly beloved of God, I beseech you to listen to me today. I beseech you that you would, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Fleshly lust. Lust. Desires, longings, cravings that war against your soul. Natural things. Uh, They don't have to be evil, but usually in the fleshly realm, in the natural realm, even the allowable things get into evil because society and the culture teaches us that excess is good, and you know you can't just have one piece of coffee cake. You got to eat the whole coffee cake, like you know all-you-can-eat restaurant. Just you—you you should never have all-you-can-eat. No amens, but it's the truth. Just think of that—all you can eat. Can I have one more biscuit? I've got two arteries that haven't clogged. You know, it's one more. In our body, the the lust, the cravings, the desires, temporal desires, carnal desires. And it says fleshly lust pertaining to your body. Temporal lust, carnal, unregenerate. The natural yet forbidden things. Available but not profitable. Questionable but not uh, forbidden. The things that have more to do with pleasure than purpose. Wants more than needs. Comfort more than cause having more to do with here now than later. We are like the first century church. In a culture where not only everything goes, we are taught that you deserve, you know, grab the gusto, all that you can get in life. Have everything and all that you want. Like there's no, even if they say it's free, that there's no cost. It's like all this free money we got. A couple of years ago, and it, you don't have to have the mentality of a freshwater trout to see that we're paying ourselves back uh, five times that which we received for free. And that's, that's a separate sermon, by the way. Uh, Peter's saying, there are, there are fleshly lusts in your life that you are considering normal now that aren't normal. In the first century church, there was child sacrifice up the street. Uh, we abort children now for convenience. It's amazing to me how this my body, my choice just got lost when it come time for some choices. And then it's not your body, your choice. And now for convenience sake, we slaughter millions of children a year and hide it under the guise of, you know, it's a blob of tissue or something. But it's happened so often now that we're numb to it. That we just didn't scream out crying when I even made that statement because... We're numb to it. They, they had temples to false gods in that day and age where they would have uh, prostitutes at the door performing indoor and outdoor acts of sex for your viewing pleasure. Uh, man with a man, woman with a woman, uh, groups of orgies. Sometimes it would cost you to pay, to watch, or to participate, but it was, it was part of worship. You don't see that today? You, you, you don't see how we've made it normal now that you can shack up with who you want to, sleep with who you want to, guy with the guy, girl with the girl. The preacher can be gay. He can have a mistress. Everybody, because God made us this way. And, and, and culture, we, we've been lulled into a, 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 a fog that we, if we're not as bad as the world, then we're better than the world. And that's not what scripture tells us. And Peter's saying, I'm warning you in this, in this culture that's around us, this relentless, overwhelming, uh, spread culture throughout all of society to abstain from fleshly lust. Not sample, but abstain from fleshly lust because your body and the lust of your body if you if you let it be Lord, it'll war against your own soul. Let me read this to you if you're taking notes, James 1, 13 through 16. Let no man say, when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot tempt be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted, listen, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, and then when lust hath conceived it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. I want you just to break this verse down. James 1, 13 through 16. Every man is tempted. So it's a universal thing. Lust is a universal thing. And the Bible says that we're all drawn away by our own lust. Did you know you have your own lust? You have some primaries and you have some secondaries. And we're all wired differently. The church went crazy, uh, not went crazy, but reacted so strongly when we heard the absurd statement of the homosexual or the lesbian say, God made me this way. Now, no, of course, God didn't make them that way. It's funny how God, who didn't get credit for creation, gets credit for the sinful. Anyway, it's just, just an idea. Uh, but they, the, God made me this way. God made me this way. Their theology's not correct. But there's a part about it we didn't grasp that they were telling the truth. What they're saying is, as long as I can remember, I've had this lust. Yes. Their tendency could be male-to-male attraction, female-to-female attraction. Your your leaning, your lust could have been male-to-female, female-to-male. And outside of the confines of marriage, that fornication will damn you as much as the homosexuality will damn you. Somebody else, as long as they can remember, they love money. And somebody else can love ease or pleasure or popularity. And there's a lust, a physical lust that controls you. Like if we put four remote control cars down here and I picked up one controller and I made, you know, they don't come with batteries. You got to buy batteries. You put the batteries in. It's the wrong size. You got to go get other batteries. And what you get for Christmas, you'll play with January 6th. And you get, yeah, pray for me. It's all in there. It just rattles around in my head. So, uh, so you got the four cars down there, and you pick up one controller. Now watch. I got batteries in mine. You don't got batteries in yours. And we're all up here, and I'm turning my controller. Do you know it's the strangest thing? Only one car moves. The other three just sit there as if they had no desire or design. And that other car, it's just running around depending on how energetic I am with the little joystick. Okay, Because that car has been wired to that controller and they speak the same language, same frequency. You follow me? When a person says, as long as I can remember, I've had a same-sex attraction. I believe you. Well... I had, as long as I can remember, attraction to females. But that doesn't give me license to be unfaithful to my wife. It doesn't give me license to play the field or to live in someone else's bed just because it gives me pleasure. But we're in a culture that says, you do what you want, when you want, how you want. And the church has lulled itself into sleep and says, if we're not as bad as the world, we're good. You have primary lust. I remember when I first got my uh, license with the Assemblies of God, I forgot who it was, but an old preacher said to me, he goes, Brother John, can I give you some counsel? You may not think much of it today, but it's good. I said, yes, sir. He goes, be careful of the three Gs. I said, the three Gs? He said, the girls, the glory, and the gold. I just thought that was kind of cute. And then the more I thought about it, Everybody that of my peers that have ever fell off the reservation, it was either through sexual immorality, it was either pride, the glory, or gold. He said, don't, don't let your body control you. That's why fasting is important. Sometimes once a day, sometimes a couple days at a time, you teach your body that you're not God. You don't get to tell me. When Jesus said, If you're going to come after me, to follow me, the first rule of discipleship is you better know how to deny yourself. Then take up your cross, God's will for your life, and follow me. Very quickly, I want to talk to you about this this craving. It's universal. Every man is tempted, it's personal, drawn away of his own lust. And by the way, don't be so critical of someone else's lust when you got one yourself, your own lust. Your lust, the one that you make allowance for, the one that you justify. You know which one yours is? The one that you defend. If you wonder, what's my lust? The one that you're sympathetic to. You know, it's just a friendly little lust. As long as it doesn't own us, like it's just a little bit of cancer, just a little bit of AIDS, just a little bit of antifreeze in my key lime pie, not a problem. It's deceptive. It said he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed, which means tricked, like using a decoy. It's a process and lust having conceived, like seed germinating in a womb. And then it produces, it brings forth death, and then it destroys. And when sin finishes, it brings forth death. Death. I want to summarize this first point with this about your fleshly lust. These hallmark memes that you put on your Facebook post and that govern your life—just follow your heart. Wrong. (laughs) Follow your heart. Your heart is desperately wicked above all things. Anybody else's heart's a fool. Don't don't look at who you're sitting next to. Don't don't look at them. Look straight ahead. Don't don't. Desperately wicked. Not follow your heart if it feels good. If it feels right, no, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And you can discern, your flesh doesn't want you to read the Bible. It wants you to read devotional. You're amazing. Did you know God thinks you're amazing? You, he's enamored with you. And I read it and he said, my righteousness is a filthy wreck. Oh, that's different than the devotional part. We have walked with the world so long that unless we say we're not of it, they don't know. There should be a difference. An unwillingness. Now watch. They have a temporary commitment that looks happier than our consecration. When you're doing what you want, when you want, how you want, there's a lightheartedness in that. Hey, y'all all want to go to lunch? Yeah, come on, come on. And then you sitting over there with your Bible on your desk. Yeah. And we live without. It's Taco Tuesday and Margarita Day, and you're sitting there and you go, iced tea, please. And everything in your body says, why can't I just? Why can't I just do what they do, say what they say, think what they think? Because consecration costs. And your fleshly lust war against your soul. War against your soul. And did you know the way you're wired? If if you will own up to it and you will humble yourself before the Lord, he'll show you, my wife taught me this phrase, how to use your powers for good. Those of you that are good businessmen, you, you can't allow yourself to take advantage of someone. I have always had a business mind and I have, to, I have to control, I have to adjust and bring under the light of scripture to where I can say with integrity, that's win-win. And if I can't do that, I can't do it. And same with our eyes. If we're Steve, if we're watching something and all of a sudden you're convicted, you walk away. I, I can't say, What's wrong, man? Is, is it? No. Your, your remote car may be doing something that mine mine don't. But we know this: that our flesh wars against our spirit. And if your flesh says, Why not? Usually your spirit's saying, Please don't. Because even the things that are allowable are not always profitable. Now I'm not a legalistic preacher. I don't stand on the soapbox and say, you know, no makeup, long pants, eyeglasses, walking sticks, roll on deodorant, outdoor floodlights, chewing gum, peppermint, none of it. That's not the kind of preacher I am. But I will tell you the kind of preacher I am. There are things in your life today that you wouldn't have allowed before. Now they're normal. Now they're acceptable. Now they're celebrated. And now they're excused. You're progressive. My question would be, progressing to what and from what? The Holy Spirit had not changed. So if you were convicted early on, what made it okay now? The constant erosion of the world beating upon the rock of your consecration of where you just lose that edge. I beseech you. Abstain from fleshly lust that war against your soul, anything that whittles away at your love for Christ, anything that normalizes sin and makes fun of holiness, anything that robs you of your taste for the Word of God, time in prayer to God, passion for the house of God. Man, I look around this room. We were raised in church. You were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Friday, Thursday morning, camp meeting, cookout, potluck. You're just there. And do you know now, probably a majority of people decide on Sunday morning if they're going to go worship the Lord. See, I'm not preaching that way for you to like me because that's not a, a good way to do it. But I'm telling you, your fleshly lusts will war against your soul. It'll tell you that time on the lake is better than standing in his house with your hands lifting, said. I just love you today, Lord. And I've done without that. Doesn't mean you can't have recreation. It doesn't mean you can't have vacation. But priorities, man. I thank God for my mom and dad who instilled this in me. And this is, you know, be equal opportunity offender to make today. Make everybody mad, Uh, you know back that now, ball just takes over if your kids are in ball. You know, we Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three times on Sunday, Sunday night, midnight, and then we have a lock-in game uh, Monday morning on the way to school. You know, it's just, just crazy. And my daddy knew we wanted to play ball, and uh, we lived in of Robbins. The church was in Macon. And he said, now, we, we have church on Wednesday night. And the coach said, well, we got practice on Wednesday night. He said, well, we can't come. Now, my brother Jim was the best player on the team. I was just about half Jim's size and so I just went with Jim you know and he said "Wherever would in any way you could come you know cause Jim was you know running back middle linebacker he played anything and Daddy said I tell you what I will bring them to practice and when I pull up on our way to church and beep if Jim is in the middle of the play with the football I want him to drop the football and run to the car and get in the car and go to church You know what my daddy taught me? He said, football's okay, Johnny. But God first. God first. And if we don't get to be on the premier, whatever, God first. I can't tell you how many times we sat in church. Full pads, helmet by your side, shoulder pads on. Little kid, you know, looking out the ear hole, playing with the mouthpiece on the front row. But that kind of thing. Do you see how normal that sounds? Abnormal. There are fleshly lusts that are are not always sinful, but they war against your soul. They they alter your priorities. They dilute your passions. My wife and I take evenings. We'll take a Wednesday off and we'll, you know, uh, Sundays if I travel. I understand those kind of things. But not, not for lustful things. Sanity is a good thing. To take time off for it, you know. I think I'll stay with you if you let me stay home one day. I think I'll stay with you. Those kind of things help the family. He said, what's he telling me?" It was just a joke. <laughs> it says that these lusts, your lust, war against your soul in a military fashion. It's a real war. These lusts that attack you, it's a real war. With both conquered and the conquerors as people. Either you conquer the lust or it conquers you. Well, no, we're kind of in the middle. No. You're either winning or losing. You're either conqueror or the conquered. This war, this lustful war, is a violent war. It's a strategic war. Designed for you. If you look back over your life... I look at my friends Wanda and Michael and uh, James and uh, Jason and the Tisdals, and I, I, look, I look at these people, and if we look back over our shoulder, we would realize that the strategies the devil used against us were different fronts, different layers, at different times, in different ways for the same outcome. I just want to get you away from Jesus. I just want to pull you. It doesn't have to be evil to end up away from Jesus. You see? So the issue is not legalism. It's it's abstaining from lust that war against the soul. See, ball may not war against your soul, but it may war against mine. You see? So we're not trying to do a universal, can't nobody do this. Nobody go there. Nobody listen to that. No, but you abstain from the lust that war against your soul. You bring your body under subjection. You beat it into obedience. You deny yourself. You take mastery over it. Because this war is relentless and it's costly. The fight is inevitable and the results are irreversible. I, I beseech you parents. To have that habit that the kids just say, well, that's just daddy's habit and that's just mama's habit. Do you not understand that you're teaching your children? Not that that's okay. It's that following Christ has acceptable bondages with it. Well, the Lord's kind of, the Lord's trying to help him quit. Do you know how moronic that sounds? The Lord's trying to help him. Jesus is like, I'm doing all I can. I I can't help him. Who the Son sets free, is, a, is free indeed. But we're, we think to be free means I don't suffer. No, it's the proof that you will suffer. If I'm free from my lust, then the craving remains. You see, being free, I'm not free from the pull of sin, I'm free from the power of sin. The difference in the church is those who are willing to suffer by abstaining from, participating with, their lust or giving in enough to just get by. That's why we're powerless, anemic, and our words carry no weight at work. I love you today. I'm not beating up on you. I'm running beside you saying, dearly beloved, my my family, I labor for you. Abstain from those lies. Turn it off. I love what Quay said. Unplug it. Turn it off. Distance yourself from it. Those things war against your soul, and the results are irreversible. An ongoing, continuous war. A war with innumerable casualties and undeniable destruction. To the victor, the victor goes freedom, increase, reputation, and legacy. That's war that's going on in Ukraine. One of the many fronts concerning it or or motives is resources and land. If Russia wins, now there's way more to it than this. Russia gets the land. Russia gets the resources. Russia gets the reputation. Russia gets the assets that come from taxation. All that stuff. Okay. Do you understand that when a lust conquers a part of your life, they get that land in your life? They get that influence in your life. They get the resources in that life because you have to pay for it, you see. They get the influence. And your children watch and they learn how to live in captivity. Instead of rolling up your sleeves and saying, Daddy isn't going to do that no more. Daddy's not doing that anymore. And your flesh is going to scream at the top of your lungs And you say, well, if if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you're going to have because you are warring against my soul and my baby's lives are at stake. There's not just the craving and the comeback. There's the conflict. He said, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers, which means an alien resident having a home near but not here. I love that. That's what the word stranger is. You're a stranger. You have a home near here but not here. A pilgrim, someone with no correction, uh, no connection or roots to where they are. We're just passing through. Philippians 3 says that our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 speaks of the roll call of faith. And it said, These all died in faith, confessing they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And if they had been mindful of the country they came out of, they might have a reason to return. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Problem number three. We don't know what country we're a part of. I wish the church was as clear about spiritual things as they think they are about political things. We know what someone looks like who's in the United States taking the best the United States have to offer and then burning flags and defecating on flags and anti-nationalist, anti-patriotic. And we look at it and say, what's wrong with you? You're just going to take the best the land has to offer and then do this to it? That's what they do in the faith. That's what the church does. The best Jesus has to offer, the cleansing of our sins, The fullness of the Holy Spirit, our name written down in the Lamb's book of life, and we are more comfortable in the world that hates Him than we are in the heaven that awaits us. My citizenship is in heaven. This is not my home. There should be within us, we we use this world, but when they look at us, they understand. You know how you, you can pick out someone that's an alien here, you can pick out by their dress. You can pick out by their speech, their mannerisms. You may not know where they're from, but you know they're not from here. Christians ought to live that way in the world. I don't know where they go to church, but that one knows Jesus Christ. That one's different. And it has more to do with what thrills you. And See, my flesh can crave the things that are here, but my spirit craves things that are there. My flesh may cry out for carnal things but my spirit cries out for spiritual things those of you that are patriots in heart you love your nation you fought for your nation your friends have died for the nation maybe relatives are you as patriotic about the kingdom of God what do you do when someone takes the robe of righteousness and drapes it over the shoulders of of a homosexual clergy takes the flag and desecrates it. It's live like hell. It doesn't matter. Jesus was an adulterer. They'll say he had multiple. Where, where, where's the rage? Where's, we, we, we rage and in many cases rightfully so at the desecration of the flag. What about the robe of righteousness? I, I, I want to be in allegiance to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to fit in here. I can be kind to everyone, but they know that one there. It would be like if you saw someone, I'm not making light. These are are cultural differences. If you saw someone wrapped in a robe and a turban, you'd say their nationality, watch, their allegiance is not to this land unless they became a U.S. citizen. That's how people ought to look at us. Their allegiance is to Jesus Christ and the church, which is the body of Christ. They can live among the world, but their choices and their walk clearly identifies them. If our musician would come, please. So I spoke to you very briefly on the craving, the combat, combat and the conflict. The conflict is living in a foreign language, in a foreign land. Don't get so comfortable that you learn the language here. Don't get so comfortable you learn the language. It's good not to fit in. Are you listening to pastor this morning? It's good to not fit in because we ain't staying. Somebody's spirit man, just jump. It's good not to fit in because we ain't staying. So Pastor John, you gave me all these, the don'ts, the don'ts that we shouldn't, now, I wanna give you the keys very quickly. Delight yourself in the Lord. How do, you, how do you have victory over these fleshly lusts that war against yourself? Get full. This morning, confession's good for the soul. I had two uh, bacon egg and cheese biscuits from McDonald's. And by the way, this is a hack. I don't know if you know this or not. The little folded square eggs, come pre-cooked and frozen but if you ask for the round ones they make them fresh just thought i'd tell you that they do the little round one in the thing tastes a lot different y'all done made me forget what i was going to tell you oh no 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 i got i got i got so i had two of those and then my thyroid was acting up a little bit so i had a donut (laughs) hold my place about being full so I, I said that in men's group a couple nights ago, and I talked about my thyroid working up. And I forgot who it was, just, just a good old boy. And I said, yeah, I've been having a weight problem with my thyroid. He goes, you eating thyroids? I'm like, bro. So what he's saying is the problem is what's going in your mouth. It ain't what's in this. It's what's, you eating thyroid. But if, so this morning I've had Two biscuits and a donut and a diet Mountain Dew it balances it out it it does a little chemical thing in there but do you know when I walk over there whether it was pizza or hot dog I'm being honest I'm not hungry even if it was steak I might have a bite but I'm not hungry because I had two biscuits and a donut just like an hour and a half ago you know why we're sampling so much at the world's table because we're not full Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when they offer you these reheated hot dogs, you say, I'm good. I'm fine. Delight yourself in the Lord. One key denial of yourself. Deny yourselves. Willing to starve your flesh. Abstain from fleshly lust, which means to do without. Not to touch, to spurn, to turn aside, refuse. I don't know who this is for this morning. The Lord, I felt, whispered this in my heart when I was thinking about this this denial of flesh and the warring against these lusts. I felt the Lord whisper to me that it is way easier to abstain than uproot. The reason it's so hard now is we've got a tree with roots in it of lust. And we go pulling on it and it hurts your back. It it takes time. But if you just abstain and just say, no, I don't want any part of it. That's a lot easier than uprooting a tree. Abstain. I pass. No, thank you. Distance yourself from those things and those people that pull you away from the Lord. Willpower only works till it doesn't work. Distance is your best friend. It's impossible for me to get shot in Atlanta this morning for one reason. I'm not in Atlanta. Well, it's not that you're a good guy. Nope. It's not that you're married or single or a daddy. Nope, I'm not in Atlanta. Distance yourself. If you struggle with food, don't, don't get a job as a cashier at Old Time Country Buffet. Just don't do it. Don't. You see, what I'm, you see what I'm saying? Just be smart. I know a man. I don't think he goes here anymore but he came and met with me and was at the verge of losing his home his wife and everything and i said how honest can i be with you and he told he said pastor tell me the truth i said your problem is you have you have access to the things that are killing you get rid of your phone and go to a flip phone he said i run my business from my phone i said you're losing your family next time i saw him he looked like something from the old star trek he goes <laughs> I mean, screen about that big, can't text, can't nothing. I said, "How are you?" He said, "I'm down so and so percent in my business, and my wife and I have never done better. And my prayer life has come back for me. I had to distance myself. I had to do that." And he said, "Life's good, Pastor John." He closed his little thing. Just a, I mean, it was a dinosaur, man. Where do you get those? And finally, you disarm your accusers by the lifestyle you live. You should be known among your peers, not just by good manners, by thank you, but by your no thank yous. No thank you. No thank you. Abstain. No thank you. Do you know they can go upstairs, Brian and those in the room, and they can punch in the computer? You can do this at home. You can bump your thermostat. One push of a button. Can change the whole house from hot to cool or from cool to hot. What would happen in your life if you punched the right button? No. No more. Yes. I can't do it for you and God won't do it for you. I close with this my brothers, my sisters. My fellow pilgrims, my sojourners, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. Just quit. And watch, Quay set me up perfect today. And watch, your, watch your, your soul and your countenance and your heart come back to life. And it don't matter if other people can do it. We can't, we're all different. You abstain from your fleshly lust that war against your soul. And see if the book doesn't open up again. See if your confidence doesn't increase. If your peace doesn't return. And see if your joy doesn't come back. Would you stand with me this morning? For those of you that respond to this word this morning. And by the way, you don't respond to John. The things that the Holy Spirit quickens to you and says, this is what I'm sharing with you. In our culture, any move towards God is going to seem like it's ridiculous. But the truth is, His laws and His ways are different than this world and their ways. And I want to go on record in the court of heaven that this is not my home. And I'm looking for a new city whose builder and maker is God. And I declare plainly that this not only is not my home. I don't even want to think about it because I might have reason to go back. But I belong to a different home and a different homeland. As a matter of fact, I close with this verse. Can you just... I know we can't hear the Lord's voice audibly. But can, can you just hear Jesus this morning saying, Hey! I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. Start living it now. So when you get there, you're already in motion. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. Kelly said to tell you about cake auction again. I thought we did. But... Children on this side, cake auction on this side, be generous.